It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Howdy. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talks special, uh, The Haunting of Hill House after show. Um, if you follow the podcast on normal episodes, we review and discuss one horror film in detail. But for this series of 10 episodes, we'll be having an opinionated and accidentally funny discussion on each episode of The Haunting of Hill House by Michael Flanagan. Um, your expert hosts each week are me, Dr. Bryce Hansen. I hold a PhD in spookology, and my friend over there is Professor David Dam, the foremost expert in scare. No, no. So, without further ado, the haunting of Hill House after show with our movie talk tonight. We're going to be talking, or today, whenever you're listening, we're going to be talking about episode nine, Screaming Mimi's. Yeah, kind of a funny name. Yeah. I don't know what exact... Oh, yes, I do. I know what that means. Mimi. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is actually... Did, did you remember that The Haunting of Bly Manor also had an episode called Screaming Mimi's? No! Yeah. It I was didn't. the one with uh, the the past ghost, the yeah, Lady it, in the Lake It should episode. be mentioned, if you're discovering this after show uh, now, and you haven't listened to much of our other stuff, we also did a series of after shows on the second season of this haunting um, uh, show mm-hmm. um, that, that Mike Flanagan produced for Netflix called The Haunting of Bly Manor. And uh, and actually, uh, that's already that's out. Yeah, so we're doing thing. this. We're doing this in reverse, kind of. Right. But, but nevertheless. And so in this episode, we finally learn what happened that night with Liv and the Red Room. So we're just going to go straight into spoilers. If you haven't watched this film, why are you what? Or if you haven't watched it already, why are you listening to an after show? Um, but here we go. Here's spoilers. Spoilers. Um, okay, so... Get my DJ skills on. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, so this is a lot simpler episode than most of the other episodes of The Haunting of Hill House. There's no jumping in time, really. It's just a beginning to end um, showing Liv leading up to... Liv living in her house. Yeah, what, what happens to make the family flee um it starts out with her talking with mrs dudley um this is the the caretaker flash flashback to the night after the storm when mm-hmm. all the windows yeah burst and she talks about how when she was younger her father died this is live talking her father died and she was so angry and tortured that um, you know, she was cursing the skies, and that night there was a huge storm, and um, so big that rocks fell and broke a bunch of windows. Yeah, and it's like a thing that actually happens. You know, places 
I can't, storms to... can get so bad that they pick up rocks and throw stuff. Wow, um, crazy. Yeah, it's it's very biblical. Yeah, like that's uh, uh if you haven't seen the movie Magnolia, that's another one that you should check out. I yeah. love that show. Um, that movie. Yeah. Uh, so she talks about it, and she she talks about how as a young kid she thought that it was her that made it happen that she caused the you know she she was so angry that she caused the sky to rain down rocks. I I still do that stuff. I still. Um... I still have constant ideas that I'm the reason things happen. Right. And well, it's, it's a good thing you're not into sports because you'd be a really superstitious sports watcher probably. It'd be unbelievable. But, yeah, no, I, I, I have this um, – and I'm and to be, like, super totally honest about it, I'm not totally sure it's not me, you know? And that's why it keeps happening, mm-hmm. you know, is because it's like there's this, like – and I've read some things that have been like that have that have uh, that have piqued my interest in in kind of this weird, like weird like solipsism and mm. and like this possibility like it's a thing that people sometimes believe mm-hmm. and therefore yeah now now the the stage is set for me to be like yeah. right you you are a borderline believer in solipsism for yourself not but i really. mean that not not logically no i mean that but would it, mean it, that it, i'm not real and then this is all conjured up in your mind and that wake up david to me. wake up wake up now david no but yeah it's wow, that was weird so um <laughs> no it just occurs to me i'm not a borderline right. believer uh-huh. i just yeah you know. um so live dreams um and sees nell and luke as adults dead in the future. So it's a scene that we've already seen with Nell where she's on the gurney and she's on the metal table at, at Shirley's funeral home and Liv, you know, has never seen them as adults. And so she's walking up to him and you see just like the slow realization that this is her daughter. And on the floor is Luke with a needle in his arm with like blood pooling around him. And she's horrified as she realizes who these dead people are, that they're her children. Yeah. And then she starts being preyed on by this ghost, basically. Poppy, which we've heard from before in previous episodes, is kind of a impulsive and like not cool lady that's uh, from the 20s. She's like, yeah. she's wearing like flapper gear. She's kind of a product of her time, right? The, the, yeah. the roaring 20s. She's real indulgent and uh, and she can turn on a dime. So Poppy comes and, and she appears to live, you know, when she's wakes up from the dream and, and uh, is in bed with Hugh. And she uh, catches, Liv catches Poppy out of the corner of her eye and then gets up and then Poppy is like hovering over Hugh, she's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> and Poppy's like, "Ah, oh, he's a cute, cute guy." Blah blah blah. And then she starts going on this monologue of like, "Oh, you look like you had a bad dream, a real screaming Mimi," and uh, talking about how you know she used to have bad dreams until she woke up and everything was great, you know. And she insinuating goes, death, I think. Yeah. So she's going on this long like monologue of all the horrors that can happen in your quote unquote dream, right? And how you can save your kids by helping them wake up by killing them. And you know, I mean, that's like what she's playing on is like this is a dream, obviously, because I'm a ghost and I don't really exist. What you need to do is to wake up your children and yourself, and then everything will be fine. 
And uh, I mean, might not be wrong. Right. Who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say? I mean, the the world does eat up people, you know. And she like points to the vision that he, she just had. It's like, yeah, you, this is what's going to happen to your kids. You know, one son is going to grow miserable and and empty, and he's going to seek pleasure through a needle. And yeah. One daughter is going to be super uptight, and I don't know what she says about Shirley. Like she goes through all of the kids. Be a real bitch. <laughs> She you goes, don't want it, you, and the, perhaps the worst of all, you don't want a daughter who's a bitch, do you? You don't want one that wears gloves. I mean, what a pretentious move that is. You sure, want to kill she's him. smoking hot and a pretty nice person, but the gloves, they gotta go. <laughs> uh, all done through a ni- 1920s accent. And uh, so she goes through this whole thing and is really, like, keen into Liv's fears as a mother and wanting to protect them. And so that's kind of where it starts. Um, and then that's when Liv wakes up and she's, it's the scene where she has the screwdriver to Hugh's neck. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And she feels real bad, obviously. Um, so something's like. She does, she does a super wife thing, too, where he's like, you have a screwdriver to my neck as she has the screwdriver to his neck. And she's like, no, I don't. <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say to that because you're clearly insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think Poppy describes like the world is, as like dangerous. And then as you know, live is kind of, um, living through this. She's like slowly descending into madness and we're seeing her see, um, things and then waking up from it so one of the scenes is nell and luke the little nell and luke in bed and she goes to visit them and they're like mommy we're having bad dreams i had a really bad dream she's like oh what did you dream about and then they go on to describe like the future horrors of their adult life you know mommy what if i oh no 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 it's like they ask her what she would do if they were dreaming this dream would would she wake them up and they go through and tell like the most pessimistic version of what their adult lives are. Yeah, it's it it it, it, uh, it omits all the good parts and focuses only on the negative. Yeah, yeah. And then she wakes up and she's just standing in the daytime inside their room, and that's a previous scene that we've seen Stephen walk into her on. Yeah. So all these scenes, like these last couple episodes, like. It's bringing in more information for scenes that we've already seen. Yeah. That are kind of like, what's going on there? It's explaining them now. She talks with Mrs. Dudley, um, and Mrs. Dudley doesn't really help things. Because she's like, oh, yeah, the world out there is has teeth. It'll yeah. chew up your kids and spit them out. And, uh, you know. And, and this she, house is scary, too. Let me tell you. <laughs> like, Mrs. Dudley, she's kind of a doom prophet. Right. Yeah. And she's really describing, like... The tack that she's taken with her daughter. Keep her inside. <laughs> keep her inside. She doesn't let her come to Hill House ever, but also keeps her away from the world at large. Just literally keeps her at their little cottage and in the on the grounds in the wood. Now, is that Abigail? I don't know. Is it? I think so. Spoilers to this. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of like... Because um, we've heard about them losing their baby previously yeah and there's kind of like 
mentions of them having a child. Luke's friend, Abigail. But we've never seen her, and she's never named. Right. And, yes, it is Abigail. But up to this point, like, any mention of Abigail is... It sounds like Luke is seeing a ghost. We're assuming that Abigail is a ghost on the grounds of Hill House. Um, But it's not. It's the caretaker's child, Abigail. A real girl. And then... Um, another scene that we've seen in the past that is explained in this episode is when Stephen gives Liv the the vanity that he paints up for her, and then she promptly punches it and breaks the mirror. Because <laughs> we see in this um, episode that what she sees is she sees Nell and Luke in the mirror behind her, you know, their corpses basically looking at her, and she does not want to see that. Um, and then finally, like, her... Liv and and Hugh, like, have their conversation about, like, she needs to go visit Janet and, uh, you know, get calmed down and not get so scattered. Yeah. And uh, so she leaves and it's like your your generic, like, oh, (laughs) men are so dumb. They don't know how to take care of children because she calls back and he's like, what? All I know is how to make a cereal. And... uh, (laughs) It is kind of like a, a horror show. To his credit, like he is very busy. Like he, he's probably doesn't have a lot of time. This is the ultimate. This is one of these tropes that no one seems to ever catch on to or realize that it's a trope because everybody just assumes it's it's accurate. Probably because it's pretty accurate. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, anytime a dad is left alone with their kid in a show or a movie, it's pandemonium. Mm-hmm. It, it, things go from being a normal day to being a wacky, horrible day where dad's such a terrible, oh, he's so bad at what he does. Honk. It's like, okay. That's not, it's not how it happens, and that's yeah. why it's a trope, but it's also kind of how it happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so she leaves, and like stuff is not going great. Um, right before she leaves, um, Luke asks her if if Abigail can stay, yeah, and sleep over. She's like, of course, yeah. She's like, yeah, honey, your your pretend friend can come stay. Uh huh. Yeah, because they think it's like, oh, yeah, it's yeah, an imaginary like a, friend. imaginary friend, or at worst, a ghost. Which, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do about that? There's no ghost away in this place. Yeah. So after the phone call, where she hears like chaos in the background, she's like, probably tells herself like, I can't. I can't leave them That's alone. That's a super like, I can't mom thing to do. Yes. And this is this would totally be what would happen in a lot of cases. Yeah. So she comes. I'm going to go stay at the hotel just down the street. And check in. And yeah. check in. Um, a lot of lying in this family when it comes to, like, living arrangements. How do you, you mean? Know? Well, you know, like, uh, Nell calls and says that she's, you know... A certain place when she's like literally at the hill house or in the hotel next to the hill house lives yeah. says she's calling from her sister's house and she's at the hotel near the hill house theo says you know yeah. she's not taking money from steven to live in yeah. shirley's place yeah yeah I don't know. It's a vortex of the house is a vortex for lying mm. lying um Liv comes back and she starts making tea quote unquote uh shirley sees her in the kitchen is like weren't you supposed to be gone and And she's kind of in this weird dream state that freaks shirley 
out. She's like, she it's like, okay, honey. Oh. I'm making tea. <laughs> so cool, Shirley, <laughs> Shirley goes to her dad and is like, mom's here and she's acting weird. Kind of wiggy. Yeah. And so Stephen, not Stephen, Hugh, um, goes to check on her in the kitchen. And when he arrives, he sees that there's a bottle of rat poison that was downstairs, mm. you know, on the counter, mm. um, right next to the kettle. And yeah. so he does a little math and he's like, oh, shit. I left the rat poison on the other counter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Liv goes and gets Luke, Nell, and Abigail. Abigail's real, we find out. There's a real little girl, which is kind of a cool reveal. Yeah. Um, and uh, takes them to the Red Room um, and kind of is telling them that they will wake up from a dream. And this is all just a bad dream. And she promptly poisons, tries to poison them. So, like, I'm all I three, think, all three little kids. Yeah. So I think, like, the tea is literally just rat poison heated up, probably, because... Um, Abigail's the only one that drinks it and immediately foams from the mouth. Like it must be some hard shit. Yeah. Um, and so this is set in the nineties, the early nineties. Um, these flashback scenes are, um, they've established that throughout the show. There's nothing on the mark. Just FYI there. I don't believe in terms of rat poisons. There's nothing on the market that can do this to a kid. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever poisoned your kid? Do you know? I've poisoned rats, and I can tell you that it takes a remarkable amount of rat poison <laughs> to kill any given rat. So, uh, and and that's yeah. the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to build up and build up and build up in their system, and until it's, and that's for things like dogs and cats, and so it, yeah. you know. But uh, you know, back in the day, if this were set in maybe the forties or the fifties, like. You know, there are there are certain poisons that could, you know, really fuck you up back. Then. Yeah. But, you know, I got to say just a quick side note while we're on the topic of drinking hot beverages um, for an ex Mormon who has only recently started drinking coffee. Uh, oh, it's been years. I've, I've, oh, OK. I go back when I was at Wheel. Okay, well, I'm I'm not privy to your you know your personal tastes or how long you've been, mm-hmm. but it it hasn't been terribly long. Okay. Surely, it's only been a couple of years. Um, you guys have stellar coffee. Like, yeah, you don't like it's not burnt. It's not garbage. It's not like Folgers or something like that. Um, unless it is, is it Folgers? No, I think this is a Starbucks blend. Okay, yeah, just normally like more burnt than this i think i don't know we, we don't know what we get we find one that we like and we're like oh we should get that yeah it's good i think coffee. french roast is the go-to okay yeah well cheers um yeah cheers <laughs> sorry mom uh <laughs> what wait, yeah yeah wait, wait 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 so so other mormons would be like coffee you son of a bitch you know the stigma about you know just kind of generally in society about drinking alcohol and and smoking I, t- to an extent, yes. I mean, even drinking is not that frowned upon, but people know, like, well, it's not, it's not great, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. And if someone doesn't do it, they're like, okay, well, that's probably a good choice. Generally, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what yeah. opinions are, but I mean, I'm pretty sure smoking is looked down upon almost universally now, now yeah. because of health. That's basically how tea and coffee is looked at in the Mormon Church. Really? Yeah. But like, Coca- just from just from teachings. But like, Coca Cola is like cool. Well, yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta think with your uh, 
loophole mind of a religion to where back when it was written about, it said specifically, um, it's, there's a whole history. I don't have to go through it, but but basically, um, what it's interpreted, interpreted now is it meant alcohol, tobacco, drugs, and coffee and tea. Mm. Okay. Well. So don't do those things. It's just like a dietary restriction, just like, you know, pork or whatever for Muslims. And yeah. So okay. it's, it's meaningful to them. And yeah, they choose to do it. So anyways, now I drink coffee and my mom probably thinks I'm a heretic. Well, I mean, when you're right, you're right. Um, so Hugh runs in sees what's happening, throws the tea on the floor, and throws Liv against the wall. Good move, Hugh. This is what I think most husbands would do. Like, this is the one exception of, like, yeah, you can beat your wife. <laughs> She's trying to kill your kids. There is no excuse for putting I your mean, hands on not, a woman in a violent way. beating your wife, but throwing her against the wall real hard and making her pass out. What I if think she this killed is- a child? And you're preventing her from killing other child children. Not okay. There's no yeah. excuse. Yeah. If there was another guy there, he'd probably beat the shit out of him and be like, you just hit a woman? Um, <laughs> anyways. All right. What are we doing here? Getting political. Now I'm going to get another one-star review. Um, where are we? So Hugh has just run in and found the uh, the Abigail yeah. dead on the floor, foaming from the mouth, and his own children about to imbibe, basically. Yeah. So he basically throws her against the wall. Liv passes out. It cuts to Hugh taking the kids out to the car, and and uh, and then Liv wakes up and she's like, "Where the where the fuck are my kids?" And she looks out the window and sees Stephen taking the kids, and that's when Poppy shows up and he's like. He's taking them away. He's going to kill them. He's taking them away to be murdered. And like Liv is like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I got to stop this. Tell me more. <laughs> and uh, Hugh comes back to get Steven, which is like one of the first scenes of the show. And uh, we see from the other side that the... The ghosts are converging. The ghosts are converging. And when when uh, Hugh is inside the room with Steven and like something's grabbing the knob and the old clockmaker's coming through and he's like, tick, 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 motherfucker. <laughs> so the, on the other side of the door, which you assumed was a ghost before is actually live trying to get into the room and then oh, yeah. they escape and, uh, live goes back to, well, that happens, and then, like, Liv is told by some old lady in the bed, which was who Mrs. Dudley cared for, I, I believe. That ghost saved the day. That that old lady ghost made it possible for Hugh and the kids to escape. Because she stalled Liv. She's like, don't listen to Poppy. She's a yeah. fucking lunatic. She's a liar. She's a liar. Um, yeah, the old lady in the bed tells Liv not to trust Poppy. Just long enough for, for Hugh to slip by. Liv goes back to Abigail's dead body and then sees her alive, like at the doorway. It's like, oh, you're not dead. You woke up. And then she goes to the railing and Poppy still fills her mind with all these ideas that she was killing them. And then, you know, just really trying to lay it on and, and control Liv yeah. and tell her to wake up. And finally, Liv jumps off the banister to her death. 
Yeah, um, and it's... <sighs> for some reason, through the whole thing, I had the impression that Liv hung herself. But no, no she... No. Yes, that was Nell. But I thought also Liv had as well from that same spot. Um, but she just jumped. Yeah. And it's not a f- terribly huge fall. Um, but I suppose if you sustained enough injuries, you could just... Well, you fell, I think it's like three stories or something. If you fall from three stories onto a concrete floor or like a tile floor, you could do some damage. You could do some damage, yes. If you fall on your head. I mean, you, she fell right on her head. Yes. Uh, assuming you weren't found right away, you probably wouldn't be limping away from that. Yeah. So then, um, we so we finally learn what happened that night, and the next episode kind of goes into the fallout and like what really happened from everyone else's perspective. This is all told through Liv's eyes, right? Um, and I don't think there's anything else that happens in like modern day or anything. It stays pretty consistently in in the past. Um, yeah, this one's kind of like there's no there's a lot of like reveals, yeah, in it, but. But th- it's, it's kind of weird where it's like you take away all the mystery now. Yeah, it's like, at this okay, point, now we know. We're, we're on rails, right? We're like, yeah. we're wrapping things up. We're tying all these twisty, turny storylines and plots together, and they're all kind of converging into the same spot. And so now things are getting more simple and easier to understand. This, this, is, a bri- this is a really... I, 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 you know, we, we suck a lot of Mike Flanagan dick uh-huh. on uh, on our podcast, generally speaking, just, just given the amount of episodes we, we've committed to him. It just sounds like... Yeah, <laughs> that's us on Mike Flanagan's jock. Yeah, and but I got to say, the way he creates a story and then, you know, and then like it kind of disperses into all these interesting stories and they're all relevant and they all tie back. And it's just a very it's a it's a great structure that he creates. Yeah. Great. He's a great storyteller. Sure and is. I think the questions that this still leaves up in the air is like, how much control does Poppy really have? Like where, where does live end and and like right. Poppy's control over her? Yeah, begin because obviously like Liv didn't realize she had a screwdriver to Hugh's neck, right? You know, yeah. And she also, you know, it's also like how much control did she have over her jumping off the balcony? You know, right? Because we saw when it happened to Nell, Nell was like she's hallucinating and thinking something was happening that was not. She's thinking she's putting on a necklace and really she's putting on a noose. Yeah. And all of a sudden finds herself on the other side of the banister and, uh, live like basically wills her off of the, of the landing. It's like, sweetie, I'm going to save you from your horrible life. <laughs> yeah. So again, we've talked about this a little bit on previous episodes, but this is really parallel to a lot of like concepts and, the Shining or Stephen King's concepts of the the Overlook to where it's hungry, it's eating people, and it's it has it has ulterior motives and powers. The house itself, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be interested to see what Stephen King had to say about these series. This series. I think he loved the Haunting of Hill it. House. Wouldn't surprise yeah. me. It's it's like a big ode to him. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a great concept, and and frankly, it's it's better executed. Yeah. Um, so the next episode is episode 10, the last episode, and I just watched it and I cried. It's oh. a powerful, powerful episode. I tried to watch it and I fell right asleep. Mm-hmm. All right. So thanks for listening. 
kind of a short episode today. Um, if you would please check out our website, horrormovietalk.com, there you'll find links to our social media and links to ways you can support us, like our Patreon, or um, if you're going to shop on Amazon, you can click through the button and the banner and we'll get a little taste of that. You're going to do holiday shopping anyways. Might as well just yeah, give just, us a taste. Just do it. Just do it. Um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, our number is 682-253-4468. Um, thanks again for listening. Um, and, you know, do us, do us a favor, share it with a friend. Um, also, I guess I should mention, uh, as always, check out our artist, Dustin Goebel, on Instagram. He's at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0 on Instagram. That's at D-Goebel-0-0. Also, special thanks to Max for, for making our cool intro music for this after show. Yeah, that's Maxwell.R.Allen on Instagram. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. We love you. Have a great day, week, month. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.